0: It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity during tax season because so much sensitive info is all together. Before we start the annual meeting of Sean's personal info, uh, has anyone seen Social Security number? Not me. Nope. nuh Oh, no. He's been stolen. LifeLock by Norton makes it easy to help protect yourself. If you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but you can save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Identity theft protection starts here.
1: And welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Eye Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the show, one where we're coming at you straight after Zach Levine just buried the Charlotte Hornets, and here with me today to discuss this, well, that ridiculous shot, that ridiculous win, and this ridiculous set of Bulls games over the last couple of days. He is here with me. It's Morton Jensen. Morton, how are you, mate? Hey, Mark. I'm doing well. How about you? Well, I'm I'm conflicted at the moment, mate, because I I want to be happy. I want to be excited. And I'm a little bit shook right now based on what I just witnessed. (laughs) I I was not expecting a a Bulls win. I I assumed it was a a fat owl was coming up. I was drafting a series of tweets on on Twitter about how and why the Bulls lost this game. And then all of a sudden in the space of of seconds, they won the game. And I I just don't understand this team. I don't understand this season. It's been a complete it's just going to be a complete mess but uh here we are I have many thoughts and I'm glad he- that you are here to uh share them with me because it's been an eventful sort of 48 hours for our bulls
0: yeah I'll say I'll say <laughs> look you- so you have like the Miami Heat game and-, and just fair warning I shut off the Miami Heat game after half a quarter uh because I just pivot to Luca Doncic these days if I see the bulls uh if-, if I see the bulls and mavs play at the same time I, I just pivot to the Dallas Mavericks these days. I just, I can't help it. I, I Luca is just much more entertaining than seeing Chicago's perimeter defense, pick and roll defense, just like throw five guys out on the ball and are leaving everyone else open. That's, that's not fun. I want to see Luca. So uh, the Heat game, I did not really see. I saw a couple highlights and that was it. But this one, no Dallas game. So uh, from start to finish and oh boy, oh boy, many thoughts.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I certainly don't blame you for not tuning into the rest of that heat game. That was a disaster after that first quarter. I, even though I say that the Bulls did technically win the, the final three quarters, ninety two to eighty two. I'm sure that's something Jim Boylan will hang his hat on. But yeah, that was a terrible game. the The third unit brought the Bulls bench back or the Bulls back into it. So it it should have been a, a bigger a bigger L than the eight points than what it ended up being. But that was a calamity of affairs. And ultimately led to the whole stash that Jim Boylan and Zach Levine had publicly right. through through various media channels, be it Jim Boylan through his, his post-game presser or Zach Levine, again, during his post-game presser, but even he had, a I guess, a, a Q&A with Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo where he went back and forth with him about Boylan. So that was a an interesting state of affairs, but it ultimately led to what we got today against the Charlotte Hornets where Zach Levine was completely cooking. He had 49 points in this game I had a few people mention to me that he had zero assists in this game as if that was a, a, entirely relevant in in, in, a, in a game where he knocks down a, a franchise record in terms of three-pointers, 13 threes, 13 from 17 threes, as if that, having zero assists in this game is somehow a detriment. But um, Zach Levine rescued the Bulls. He saved the Bulls. He, he pulled them out of what was going to be a most definite loss at this point. I think that uh, Stefano tweeted this out just before, but at one point during that fourth quarter, the Bulls or the Hornets had a 99.8% expectancy in terms of winning, but somehow the Bulls uh, found a way to win win this game despite the coach doing everything he possibly could to lose them this game. I want to talk about that in more detail a little bit later, but I guess we should start with Zach Levine and the whole thing that happened with Boylan, but uh, more importantly, maybe what he did to sort of bounce back and put together probably his best game of his career.
0: Yeah. So, I, I mean, I could be misreading this. This game just felt like a big middle finger to Jim Boylan. Oh, for sure. It. For sure. This, this was this was about, look, I'm by far the best offensive player on the team. You need to let me, you need to unleash me and do what I do best. Um, I think even back before the season really started with all the mid-range talk, Began, I think that kind of you know soured Zach just a little bit. Not because he necessarily wants to, to primarily take the mid range jumper. I think he's embraced the three point shot a lot. We saw that tonight, especially. Um, but but I just think all the talk about his game, like he needs to be a free floer. Um, and and Jim is not really a coach who does that a whole lot. So yeah, this was a big FU to Boylan, and I like it. Um, I I, was, I still think that if the polls were to choose, they would go with Boylan just because they don't want to save face, even though there's no face left to save. Um, but yeah, I mean this this was this was very satisfying for Zach Levine's sake. I feel like.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I'm and I'm super happy for Zach because again, I'm, I'm not a Zach believer. I'm not a Zach. Stan or loyalist or anything of that of anything of that nature. I do like Levine. I don't love him. Right. I could say the same thing with pretty much every player on this roster beyond maybe Wendell Carter and Ryan Archidiakno. I don't have a lot of favorites on this team, but I'm happy for him to to come out and do what uh, for him to do what he did because I thought it was completely ridiculous that he was called out and he was the only one made as an example of pulling him out after three minutes in that heat game. I thought it was an absolute disgrace uh, from a coaching point of view. I mean, if you If you're going to be a coach and this season is partly about development, then I I don't know what message you're trying to send there or or how you're actually coaching a player up in that sense, particularly when when in the past you have said and gone on record that you don't pull players, you don't yank players out of the games. And that was Jim Boylan's justification as to why he left his bench unit in against the Los Angeles Lakers a few weeks back. He was here to develop his to. develop his players through their mistakes on the court before, for whatever reason that didn't apply to to right. Zach Levine against the Heat. I, I thought that was ridiculous. But then for Zach to come out and, and to to be the one sort of driving force of this Bulls offense and to carry this team home the way he did, I was, I was really happy for Zach Levine and, and, and the fact that he was able to do that. And I'm sure there will be some people out there wanting to give uh, Jim Boylan some credit in terms of getting Zach to To this level, I suppose, to get him into this, (laughs) into this state of mind where he can come out and just wanted to show it to the coach, show it to the world that he actually can be a a positive player. But uh, I'm not, I'm not going to listen to any of that nonsense. I, I, it's exactly what it is to me. Nonsense. I I don't want to hear any of that crap because this was Zach Levine doing his own thing. Like I said before, he saved this team from a, a definite L and a a definite Mm -hmm. L that was created in my opinion because of what the coach was doing with his defensive schemes. I don't know if it's too early to get into it just yet, Mort, but um, I'm heated about that. It's pissing me off. I, like I said, I expected this to be an L. I'll, I'll expect it to be talking about another loss. Yep. Zach saved this team. He saved Jim Boylan, but I, I I, don't want to get too carried away because I don't want this win and Zach's performance to maybe mask what the real issues with this team is. And I sound like a broken record, but I... I'll say it again. Uh, this defensive scheme is completely nonsense.
0: No, I think it's fair you pointed out. Look, this this should have been an L. Look what it took. Look what it took for Saclavine Levine to, to bring this home. 13 threes and 49 points. That's what it took for the Bulls to win against the Charlotte freaking Hornets. Of yeah. course, this should have been an L. They they completely uh, crapped the tank in the second half, uh, especially in the third quarter. So, so yeah, the, the, he he just he did the impossible. So I think it's completely fair that we talk about the defense, which has just been so atrocious. And again, it's it's the most basic premise. I was in the United Center here last week. I was, I was in Chicago and was, watched two games. Like the aggressive pig and roll defense is is something that normal coaches or just like league average coaches would fix within the first week of the season, not like after the first game because they just realized, oh, crap, we're leaving – like multiple players wide open from you know above the break or in the corners and whatnot because we're just throwing the kitchen sink at the ball handler. And yet we're, what, 17 games in and it's the same thing all over. Um, what are the adjustments being made? I, I'm not seeing any that are being made. Maybe you've noticed something. I haven't. Um, granted, I'm, I'm up watching Bulls games at 2, at 2, 4 <laughs> or 5 in the morning even. So maybe I'm not really that awake, but I'm not seeing... Major differences. It's been the same defense, game in and game out since. Well, ironically, since the first game against Charlotte.
1: Yeah, I think by and large it has remained the same. There have been some differences in the in the scheme to a degree, maybe in its aggression. Obviously, there's been a change with Gafford coming in into Cornet, which makes it a little bit easier to run this sort of aggressive pick and roll scheme, but. By and large it is the same. The bulls are still having their center come out and meeting meeting the ball handler for the opposition right at the top of the at the top of the three-point line, beyond the three-point line even. Mm-hmm. So often that's the case. It's Wendell Carter coming out and showing or blitzing really hard beyond the three-point line with the whoever's guarding, in this case Devontae Graham. And in this game against the Hornets, they just had Cody Zeller or Bismack Biombo or whoever it was manning that center position just rolling to the rim with pure ease to the point where that big man was just getting in the lane and finishing at the rim uh, with with ease. And on the broadcast, Stacey King was talking about how easy it is for the role play to be be getting to the basket the way he is. And it's obvious as to why that, that is happening because the Bulls are just doubling the ball. It's leaving the big man open, and it's creating rotations and scrambling, or it's forcing the defense to scramble after that ball has sort of entered into the lane. And it's creating problems. It's it's why the team is is constantly mismatched on defense. It's why they're the rotations are all out of whack or out of sync. There were a few positions in that first half where it was all humming pretty nicely, but over over a forty eight minute game, there is going to be breakdowns at some point, and there were crucial breakdowns in that fourth quarter period where. The Bulls were down by two points at one point, ninety nine, ninety seven. 97, but three consecutive possessions that they had. I went back and looked at them, looked at it, and it all came down to their defensive coverage as to why the Hornets were able to score. And initially, or well, the first play was, it was a a, a, a dump off pass to Biombo who scored at the rim and he scored at the rim because he was completely uncontested because Wendell Carter had come up to the three point line guarding the ball handler. No one guarded, or no one rotated over to help and he got an easy basket. At 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 the rim, as is as is typically going to be happen against the Bulls when they the sort of facing that type of rim rolling um, rim rolling center, but that continued on in the sense that because Biombo was such a force as a rim roller, the Bulls started switching their defense where they had Carter actually switching onto the guard, meaning one of the four guards that Boylan was running out there at the end. He for whatever reason he was playing a four guard lineup to close this game. The the Hornets just started switching. Or switching their bigger guys on the on the bulls guards and they were just getting mismatches all over the court where they were actually botting the bulls in the lane and just dominating in the paint. So it was just a just a mismatch of problems, I guess. The defensive scheme all over, whether it was the pick and roll coverage, whether it was Hornets switching their guys onto a favorable matchup. There was points where Ryan Archie Diakno was guarding or trying to box out Biumbo on the block and that which mm. is just insane. So the Bulls happened to find themselves down ninety nine to ninety seven. All of a sudden, they were down one hundred six to ninety seven, and it was because of a string of bad defensive calls, I guess, and that did, and that defensive coverage that has been in play for bulk of the season. So I'm, I'm heated about that because, like I said, I expected it to be an hour, and had that been, uh, had this been a loss, I think that would have been a larger talking point than what it is. But I I want to continue to raise it because I think Levine did his best job to mask the issues that are. Sort of there with this team right now, and I'm just still frustrated. I guess.
0: No, I, I get it. I look, I watch the Hornets broadcast because I always yeah. go to the opponents' broadcast, and they pointed out as well that that it was uh North Carolina versus North Carolina. Like Marvin Williams would got, get a switch and just back in Kobe White near the rim. Like those two, mm, like yep. you had Kobe White guard Marvin Williams near the rim on multiple occasions. Like, eventually, if he burns you a couple times, you need to make an adjustment and nothing happened. And it is, look, Ricky O'Donnell from SB Nation, who's a friend of the podcast here, I know, um, you know, he he was on Sam Vecini's pod recently. And I think he said something to the tune that Jim Boylan may actually be one of the all-time worst coaches uh, in NBA history, just not solely based off the results, even though they were just ghastly but just with the lack of adjustments the whole high school coach you know mentality i think i don't think he's wrong i think i don't think any player out there really respects him i think they are trying to fight through it and kind of ignore his presence on the sideline i think they're doing their best but they need someone to come in uh, and and be a coach and say hey you know what we need to switch things up and it's the same thing i mean same shit different day all the time and i wonder if you know, I, I wonder where this team is going. Even if they like, like, this is still the East, they could make the playoffs, it's still feasible. And even if they win the playoffs, is that a win? Like, I, I don't even necessarily think it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, if they get into the playoffs with like a 36 game winning, a winning record type thing, it's, I guess it's an achievement, but it's not a grand one. But yeah, it just bothers me because. I, this is foundational stuff, or it's fundamental stuff, I should say, that is right. problematic, that is not going to serve the Bulls long-term. And I, I just don't know why we're going through this charade of this defensive scheme. But it's it's more than just the defensive scheme. You mentioned it there. It's the rotations as well. And I, I don't know, again, what he's doing in terms of balancing his rotations between an offense and defensive mix because there was, there was countless, I guess, lineups today where Boylan had an all-defensive mix out there where he would have... I think during the second quarter, even there was a lineup where he had Chris Dunn, uh, Ryan Archidiakono, you know, uh, Thad, Thad Young, Young, Daniel Gafford, and, and some other guy. I'm, I'm forgetting which other guy it was. I, I probably should go back and look I at that. It was, but-
0: he could have been. Kobe was in with that lineup for a while, but there's. You're right. I think Sato. Ah, oh, Shaq, Shaq. It was it, 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 sometimes was it, Shaq? it was
1: Kobe, but it was Shaq Harrison as well. That's the name. Oh my god! See, I didn't even guard. notice was that. He was way. obviously so- starting this game at small forward, but it, there was a lineup where he had Shaq out with those four defensive yes. players. Didn't even have Kobe, White, or Zach Levine to carry that offensive unit, and how how do you watch this or how do you implement that lineup and think that that's going to be a functional lineup that works when there's actually no offensive creator out there in on the perimeter and of course that, that lineup struggled to score the the Bulls gave up a 6-0 run at that point as well allowing the Hornets to close the lead from I think it was double digits at that point in the second quarter to at least a, a 7 point lead so there's just things like that where Boylan is doing his best to make this Bulls team lose as many games as possible I mean if the Bulls were tanking, Boylan would be a fantastic coach right now, but uh, it's just frustrating to watch because uh, it it annoys me that a player like Levine, a flawed player like Levine, a player who who deserves his share of criticism, a player who hasn't been good this season, he gets roasted publicly by the coach who is more than happy to throw his players under the bus, takes no accountability for himself at all. Meanwhile, Zach is the one post-game taking accountability, saying he's never been a winning player and that he's sick of losing and that the fact that he's trying to work on his game, he comes out here, drops 49, does his thing. But here it is, here the coach is still trying to manufacture ways for this team to to drop games and it's just freaking pissing me off. Mort. I've had enough, mate. I've had enough.
0: I think we've had enough for a while. It's, it and and look, it's. I just want to point out, it's not just boiling. I mean, obviously, we can't sit here and say the players have no faults. I mean, obviously, of course, you know, like of course. you just mentioned, Sakhalin is an imperfect player, Lori um I've heard there are some back issues from a source over here. I have not gotten uh, secondary or double confirmation on that, by the way. But so, just take that with a grain of uh, salt. But Um, You know, he's not been playing well. He's been playing very inconsistently, has has really had a hard time just getting to the basket, getting to the basket. And that was one of his strengths. Um, You know, Sato, as, as much as I love Sato, he's very passive. He's been more aggressive recently, but he's a guy who should take more shots and should be more involved in the offense. And he's just not. You have Wendell Carter Jr., who is getting a tough whistle, but is also still picking up a lot of fouls just by, you know, reaching in and doing some dumb stuff. But he's young, so it's understandable. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we went into this year thinking this is a development year. Um, they should be better because now there are some some adults in the room. I think that was the term, like Thaddeus Young and Zaro and all those guys. So, uh, but but it hasn't materialized in the way that we all thought it would. This has been a very odd year, and it's, it's reminiscent of the year where uh, Pau, Gasol, Pau, Pau Gasol's first year with the Bulls, if you remember. like Suddenly, it was Pau and Jimmy Butler who had a breakout year, and those two were the primary drivers, and everyone was like, wait, where did that come from? Because everyone thought that Rose would be you know, the guy once again, and he wasn't. This seems to be one of those years where everything you thought coming into the year that would be relevant – it's just not. It's weird. Um, I found out that going into this game, Markinen had only scored 33 points more on the year than Kobe White. This this game, Kobe White was plus you know plus 25 in the scoring column for Markinen. So he's closing in on being the second leading scorer on this team. That's not a good thing. That is not a good thing. And this is where we're at. Um, yeah, uh, you need some adults in the room, but you need some adults on the sidelines as well. And right now it's not there.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. Kobe White was great in this game too. Twelve of nineteen from the field, sixty-three point two percent field goal percentage. Twenty-eight points off the bench. Played thirty-four minutes, and he was he was he was really good for the Bulls. He he kept the team in it. And this game actually felt a lot like the Memphis Grizzlies game in the sense that it was Zach and Kobe really keeping the team in right. it, and there was those two sort of taking their turns to just hold the offense afloat to the point where the team could stay in it and get the win late. So in that way, it was sort of reminiscent of that game. And in that particular game as well, Marken wasn't good. And I honestly don't know what the hell is wrong with Larry Marken. He had a, a decent game the other day, but yeah. he continues to look pretty a- pretty average to the point where I have no idea what is going on with Larry at all. I, I, I have never seen a player drop off this hard before ever to the point where I can't as- assume a sp- Purely just you know scheme for whatever reason taking him out of the game. I think oh, yeah. there is the scheme to blame for for, for an ex, uh, for certain things. I think he's obviously playing more on the Peruno. but at the same time, I, I, I don't know. Is is it an injury? Is it something else? Is there something going on inside his head that we we're not we're not aware of? If is it all of the above? Is there another reason that I'm not considering? I, I don't know what the answer is, but this is not. A version of Larry Markin any of us have ever seen before I think this is unprecedented to an extent of seeing a player just fall off this hard his numbers I mean obviously his percentages are are terrible but his Mm. his box score numbers are still okay in the sense that it's 14 and 8 or whatever it might be so it doesn't read as bad as what it probably looks but what it's been looking like during during the games themselves. But I mean, there is something seriously wrong with Larry to the point where I'm questioning if he's hurt and if he is hurt, then why the hell is he out there? Because it's not doing him or
0: the team any good. And uh, I really just don't know what's going on with Larry at all. Yeah, no, I would sit him for a couple of games, even if nothing is wrong with him. Like again, I've hurt his back, but again, one source. So, um, but even if he, if he's fully healthy, I would still sit him a couple of games and not as punishment, but as a way of just recalibrating him, like just sit him on the bench, you know, talk to him. Maybe you may be sacrificing a couple of games. Like, look, the sacrificing, the bulls aren't good, so you might not even. But just have him on the bench, observe a couple of things and, and talk to him and then just give him some a breath of fresh air by not being under the spotlight for a couple of games. And then ease him back into the lineup see what happens I, at this point that's all i got i don't know what else to do like you're starting him you're giving him minutes you're giving him shots he's just he's not producing right now and ultimately i i think he just needs to be out of the lineup for a little while
1: yeah it, it's weird he only had the 24 minutes against the hornets he, he wasn't good against the heat either so i mean he was decent against the the detroit pistons but again when i talked about it with jason but the Pistons were rolling with Dion, uh, with uh, obviously Blake Griffin, who looks like a shell of his of his former self. He does not look healthy at all, and Andre right. Drummond was not engaged at all against the Bulls. So, Larry had a good game against the Pistons, but he was making his shots. But in in games where he's not making his shots, he's not offering you much else at all. So, I, I, I don't I, I don't know what's happening with Larry. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's strange. It's it's concerning, and. I I don't want the Bulls to be too critical in the sense, and I don't personally want to be too critical of Lowry because I I have that in my in the back of my head that maybe he's carrying an injury. But at the same time, if if so, if if certain players are going to be scapegoated and, and put to task like Levine was, then if Lowry's out there playing, then he I guess deserves some share of the criticism as well, and mm-hmm. I I think he has. Skirted by with some to a degree. One maybe because we, like I said, in the back of our minds, we we were sort of questioning if he is hurt. But if he isn't, yeah. then that is truly problematic. And I, I guess he's getting by because he's got more cachet, he's got more goodwill. His perception around Bulls fans is probably a lot higher than what it is for someone like Zach Levine. So I, I don't know. He deserves his share of blame, but at the same time, if he's hurt, ah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what to do, but apart from sitting him, getting Thad Young some more minutes, Thad wasn't great against the Hornets. But he only played 13 minutes in this game. I don't know why Thad doesn't play more. He, he again, he he hasn't been good. He, he's been disappointing thus far during his Bulls career. But again. If you're playing Thad Young in rotations where he's literally out there with three or four guards who can't create shots, then it's it's pretty tough to ask someone like Thad Young to to carry a second unit on a, second unit offense as well. But maybe he looks better if he starts this game. But yeah, it's it's strange. I don't know what's happening with Larry Marken I wonder if Boylan can do some different things in terms of the rotations. You know, having him more in the second unit. I oh, we talked about that second unit having no? Offensive creation at all. Maybe if you put Larry marketing in that second unit and stagger stagger Larry and 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 marketing, maybe that can help kickstart his season. If in fact he isn't hurt. But yeah, beyond that, I'm I'm just riffing on ideas without yeah. really know what knowing what the root cause is.
0: No, I I agree. I I think it's it's very important that marketing gets you know easy tasks in front of him, like being set up against like an. An all-star frontcourt is just not a key for success at this moment. Um, Getting—I don't know if you should necessarily—if you want to play him, I don't think you should necessarily bench him because I just—I don't think that goes over well. If he's already frustrated and if he's in his own head, that's not going to improve it. But then you need to like start him if that brings any like stability to him, and then you need to like take him out of the game like midway through the first quarter and then bring him back when you see the opponents have basically an all-bench line out there. And that's when you bring him back and you just kind of pounded in inside near the basket for him to get some layoffs or something i the fact that he's been seeking that three point shot so much also just suggests that his body's not right and he's not moving all that well either so it's just such a weird situation i mean I think we can agree that this is not like the the lorry market in moving forward like we've seen him play better previously like he's he's not going to regress out of nowhere that's just completely logical to expect that um I think ultimately he will play play better. It's just a question of when. I don't think this is the new market and moving forward. Uh, but when uh, the last year's version is going to show up, no idea. And that obviously has a huge effect on the, the wins and the losses and what the Bulls are hoping to accomplish this year. Um, and honestly, isn't that what it comes down to? Like, what are they? What do they want to do? If they want to make a playoff push, then the answer is that young, like right now. I just I don't know where they're at. Where they're at? I mean, I have no idea.
1: No, I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm. I was. I thought about writing about this, but I, I'm confused as to what this season is meant to be. As and you just touched on it, is it, is it meant to be a developmental year? If it is, then obviously it's problematic because Larry has been. You know, worse than what he was as a rookie. Obviously, Zach Levine has had his troubles. A lot of players right. have regressed to it to an extent. But then, if it's not a development year, it's about getting to the playoffs. And obviously, the uh the win loss record is is problematic as well. So, d- depending on what avenue you want to want you want to go down, it's it hasn't been great for the Bulls. But I mean, just coming back to this game as well, yeah, we were on the verge of this team being five and twelve. Had Zach Levine not gone absolutely berserk, yeah, here. the Bulls scored forty-seven points in the fourth quarter. They were down by eight points with forty-five mm-hmm. seconds left. You don't win games when you're down by eight points with forty-five seconds, forty-five seconds left. That just doesn't happen. But then, whatever reason, Zach Levine happened. He he just he willed this team with a win with his shooting. Thirteen made threes, one one behind the NBA record. Scored 27 points in the fourth quarter, three shy of Michael Jordan's uh, Bulls record. I mean,
0: that's insane. That's insane. It's
1: so improbable that the Bulls won this game. But Levine, again, he saved this team. And I, I just want to reiterate that point because this should have been an L. Everything was pointing to this being a loss. The, the way the Bulls were rotating and running the defensive coverage was going to guarantee a loss. The way their rotations were set up, running a four-guard lineup and getting abused by mismatches all through that fourth quarter is a perfect way to set up a loss. But then for whatever reason, Zach Levine was just caught on fire as well. He was on fire the whole damn game, but he mm-hmm. saved the Bulls in that final quarter. And uh, yeah, he really is a story this weekend. It started with the whole boiling thing and... Now it, it ends like this, and uh, I, I wonder how Boylan's feeling about it. Uh, and Like I said, I don't want to hear any nonsense about the coach fueling Levine into this because I think uh, I think that's a lot of crap. But uh, yeah, it, he's it's, probably going to make bizarre. that point.
0: <laughs> Jim Boylan is like in the post gamer I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other that he's like, yeah, I set some stuff to Zach to just lit a fire under his ass, and look, he produced. Look, I, I'm great. Look at me. Um, no, well, so, see that's the
1: thing. I think if if, if it's going to come from anywhere, it's going to become a, a, a narrative driven by certain people. But I think post game oh. Boylan was. Okay about it he he was more than happy to give Zach all that credit, but I, as is always the case with the bulls I, it it 's never about the result for me it 's always about the process and i I just don 't understand why you had to call out Zach like that to, the way he did i don 't know why they have to do certain things their way that, the way they do them if they just run a, a tied ship and just get things in order and maybe call a timeout during that heat game and actually talk to Levine about what he 's doing rather than sort of sending him a message by benching his ass and then. You know, going on a tirade post game and making him look foolish. I uh, I don't know why we have to do this song and dance, but it is always a drama with the Bulls. But uh, here here we are. We we got the W, I suppose, and now the team sits six and eleven. And then their next three games are against the Portland Trail Blazers, the Golden State Warriors, and then the Blazers again. So those th- three games against three West teams, where we would have typically said they were going to be guarantees guaranteed L's, but based on the, the way that the seasons have sort of gone for the Blazers and the Warriors, uh, they could potentially be wins for the Bulls to the point where all of a sudden six and 11 could turn into nine and 11 if the Bulls capitalize and actually play some good solid basketball and actually look like a, uh, a, a complete team just operating with uh, with kind of, with proper fundamentals, obviously that in itself is is a big ask, but they have an opportunity here to actually go on a little bit of a streak. Obviously they lost that game in, against the Heat, but if they can go on a four game win streak or even a three and one record here of the next three, or, or including the, that Charlotte game, then all of a sudden this season could be righted to a degree obviously it's going to be a problematic towards the back end of the season where the schedule tightens up that february and march schedule is quite brutal but mm. if they can get back to 500 before the end of december's done then the season isn't lost it can be salvaged obviously up until this point it's been a complete mess but there's still a slight chance that this can get back get back onto the uh onto the right track here
0: i mean i love your optimism the, the way I look at it is... See that, red, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just look at it as it took Zach Levine going completely ape to get a one-point yeah. win over the Charlotte, Charlotte Hornets. I mean, you're that's not what, wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, and it took Kobe White as well. I mean, at 12 of 19 shooting, which he, that's not something he's going to do every night. It took a good Wendell Carter game. It, it actually took Wendell Carter being able to stay on the floor for 34 minutes. I mean, th- so many things went right as well. And they were about to lose it. I I just have no faith whatsoever in this team moving forward. I, I just don't. And and I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy, but what have they shown us at, at any point this season where you feel like, oh, the next couple of games, they should be gimmies, like none. They, they could easily lose by 20, 25, 30 points to the Golden State Warriors, who are missing virtually everyone. Uh, that wouldn't even surprise me. Uh, like Kai Bowman could go for 35 against them <laughs> it's it's all possible um, it's it's just it's such a weird team I, I, I'm, a, I'm appreciating what Sack did right now that's what I'm left with and I appreciate the way that he did it because he tied Steph Curry's record um, his you know he, Steph Curry's own personal record with 13 threes uh, and it was done in very similar fashion I don't know if you remember that game uh, a couple of years back when Steph hit the 13 threes that was against OKC he came down and like at the very end of the game, he pulled up for like thirty-eight foot feet or something like that. It just drained it. That was the shot thirteen, and that was the backbreaker, and they won the game. So it's in a very similar fashion, which I appreciate. Uh, I'm just I'm very happy for Zach right now. I think him getting thrown under the bus that way was just low and demeaning and dumb. And I think he's been like I don't think he's been good this year, but I think he's been maligned way too much online uh, to the point where it's just been ridiculous. So. Good on sack. I'm still not optimistic whatsoever about the Bulls because I'll tell you something. We went into the UC against the Nets. No Kyrie Irving, no Kyrie LeVert. no Kevin Durant. Like my son, his first Bulls game there was like, daddy, they might actually win. And I was like, you know what, son? They might. They actually might. And they even despite actually getting to the line 41 times and shooting almost 93%. They somehow managed to lose that game. So you know what? I'm, I'm not there. At no point for the rest of the year, I'm going, oh, that should be a gimme. Nope. Nope. Not there. No, I mean, fair, fair,
1: fair enough. And uh, yeah, I mean, Bruce is going to learn the hard way, I suppose, at some point. But um, Oh, I'll tell and, you and, what he
0: did for the next game when we went to, because we were watching the, the box game as well. So on our way yeah. there, he looked at me. He was like, daddy, I think the poles are going to lose by 41 points. Well, there you go. He's, it, it didn't take him long, but he, he, um, he's
1: been conditioned. But uh, I mean, you're, you're you're totally right. I mean, there's no real reason to be an optimist. But having said that, and I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself an optimist. But for the next three games, I think they should be favoured based on how bad the season has gone for the Blazers and the Warriors. This should be potential for the the ball easily... At least go 2-1 over the next three. That's all I'm asking for. If you can go 3-0, oh, that would be nice. But at least grab two of the next three three games. Get to 8-12 and 12 at least. Call the first 20 games or the first quarter of the season. At that point, you're almost at 500. Just get your shit together. Get your defensive coverage. At least play a more conservative defensive coverage. And then slowly but surely, things will start to get back together. We'll see what happens with the Lowry market issue. I think that is obviously going to be a talking point beyond the, the 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 first twenty games. But there's still potential here for this team to to write the ship to a degree. I don't think playoffs is likely, but just just don't play miserable dumb basketball. That's all that's, that's all I ask for. Just don't out execute yourself. Don't be stupid. Don't do stupid things on defense to the point where you're costing yourself wins. Um, from that point of view, so
0: so I don't, don't do I, what they did fifty five minutes ago.
1: Yeah, exactly. Don't do okay. that dumb shit, and just play some good, sensible basketball, please. That's all I'm asking for. But um, yeah, look, that's pretty much all I've got for for now. I'm a little bit all over the place because I I don't know what to make with of this Bulls team. Like like you sort of alluded to, it it took a historic performance from Zach Levine for for the Bulls just to scrape past a. A fun to watch, but still bad Charlotte Hornets team. So you have right. to take that context into it. Obviously, we talked about the bad defense and the and the coverage and all that sort of stuff. That still needs to be factored into it. It shouldn't be lost in all this. But I think for one night, I, I'm I'm pretty content with uh, being happy for Zach Levine and the and the yeah. fact that he got to uh to shove it up the coach's ass.
0: I think that was nice to see. <laughs> then let's add, let's end on another positive note. Wendell Carter Jr.'s corner three pointer. Yes, good point. He, he that was corner so three. clean. Yeah, it it looks it looks sweet. It's in his bag.
1: I don't know why he's been told to put it away. I'm I'm assuming he's been told to put it away. That's my theory at least. I'm speculating on that, but I'm going with it. He's been told to put it away his jump shot. I don't know why he can shoot it. Let him shoot it. He's always been yep. able to shoot it. Let it fly. Yeah. Again, this but. I'm finding every single way of blaming Boylan for everything at this point, which uh, I'm, I'm certainly biased. But uh, yeah, that was a beautiful three from uh, Big Wendell, who again continues to show that he is the heart and soul of this team. 17 points, 11 rebounds against the Hornets, five assists, offensive rebounds. Finally
0: found guy, or not found guys, but finally players are making shots off of his passes. I actually wrote an article on Forbes about him and I dug into the numbers and I realized he's been passing the ball a lot. Guys who are receiving his passes are just flat out missing jump shots. So it's yeah. nice to see when guys are connecting off of his passes because, like, he had some gems tonight as well. Like he is a quick, quick passer when he sees the court. I just this guy. Look, I I don't even care about the Bulls' results. I'm I'm just keying in on this guy for the rest of the year. Wendell Carter is is my jam. A hundred percent. I mean. Wendell is
1: the Wendell is one of my favorite balls in a long time. He's the best thing to happen to this franchise since uh, Jimmy Butler came around. So, I'm very pleased with the way Wendell is progressing in his sophomore season. I think that the second half of of the season will be even better for him. But um, just let Wendell be Wendell, Jim. That's all I ask of you. But uh, look, that's enough for today. Enough ranting uh, on this one more. I appreciate you coming on, mate. Uh, tell the people where they can
0: follow you online. They
1: already know, but
0: just just hit, hit the plug anyway. Okay, well, I appreciate that. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at MSJNBA. And I'm also the co-host of the NBA podcast with Brian Teporek. You can find that at the NBA pod. We're on iTunes and Spotify and Spreaker and Stitcher and every Google podcast and everything you can possibly imagine we're there um, and I write for Forbes so if you just google my name and Forbes you'll find a lot of my content
1: too easy people should be doing all of that uh, but I appreciate you coming on mate talking about Zach Levine talking Boylan in his coverages and talking about this improbable win it was a it was a weird one but uh, I'm, I'm glad they got the W and uh, I'm glad you were able to join me on this one
0: Thank you. And thank you for having me. It's always a blast. No
1: problem, mate. But uh, that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Bulls fans, thank you for tuning in. A frustrated one, one where I uh, let my emotions probably get the best of me, but hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Follow me on Twitter at MKHOOPS. Follow the show on Twitter too at Bulls HQ Pod. If you want to send me an email or be part of the Bulls HQ Discord forum, Drop me an email, bullshq at gmail.com. Hit me up for the link for that if you want to be part of it, which I definitely want you to do. But appreciate you for tuning into this episode of Bulls HQ. Hopefully, we'll be back later on this week talking more Bulls, and hopefully, we're talking about a few more W's. But uh, fingers crossed, who knows with this team. But thank you for joining me on this episode. Speak soon.